0: Hi, I'm Dr. Pat Basu, President and CEO of Cancer Treatment Centers of America and the host of Focus on Cancer. I am just so delighted for today's episode because we're going to welcome Dr. Marnie Speer on as our guest on the show today. Dr. Speer is a world-renowned breast cancer doctor who has unbelievable experience and uh, things to share around you know, breast cancer screening and breast cancer treatment. But she just underwent a very big and bold decision herself uh, to prevent her future risk of breast cancer, and and just a really powerful story that that I want her to to share with all of you. So, Dr. Spear, thank you so much for taking time to be here and share your story with us.
1: Hi, Pat, uh, and hi everyone. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, and yes, I'm I'm quite open with my story, and and I hope that by the end of our time together, I'll be able to communicate. Uh, just the kind of the bigger picture and the broader picture about screening and prevention and risk uh, for me personally, uh, like you said, I'm a breast cancer doctor, so it is not only my passion uh, or I should say it's not only my profession, but it's a, it's my passion and i and I love taking care of breast cancer patients, and I have been doing that for uh, at least two decades now and uh, so the irony is that I come from a family of uh, potential breast cancer risk. So my grandma on my mom's side, who is this extraordinarily uh, healthy, active, you know, exerciser before it was trendy to exercise, uh, was diagnosed and died of an unknown female cancer when I was young. And then my aunt, so her daughter, my mom's older sister, was diagnosed with breast cancer in her 40s, and she ultimately died from it in her 50s, so far too young. Uh, I watched the emotional toll that that took on my family. Uh, so between those two events, you know, becoming a breast cancer doctor was somewhat natural for me. And then the irony of irony uh that last year, my older sister was diagnosed with breast cancer. So for me specifically, uh, it became personal. Uh, I I love being on this side of the doctor-patient relationship. I like being on the doctor side. Uh, And so, yes, uh, just last month, I underwent uh, bilateral prophylactic mastectomies, which means I had my breasts removed uh, in order to reduce my risk of breast cancer.
0: Wow. Well, uh, th- thank you so much for sharing that story, and I want to get a little bit deeper into it. But, but again, um, I'm so sorry uh, to hear about the way in which breast cancer has uh, has affected your family, and uh, and and certainly, um, you know, probably influenced your decision to to becoming a breast cancer doctor and and fighting uh, this horrible disease. So, there's been a lot of um, you know news around uh, you know prevention and. And you know, prophylactic surgeries. I think in the in the lay press, one of the the first kind of you know celebrities to maybe go down that path was was Angelina Jolie, uh, based on some uh, you know genetic um, information that she had. You know, there's some testing or, or certain information that might lead to patients having a significantly higher risk of, of developing breast cancer. But given that breast cancer is such a a prevalent disease, given that is sadly, uh, I believe the the latest statistics are one in eight women uh, developing breast cancer, even if one were to not have, you know, a a genetic mutation that is positively uh, or or further positively linked to developing breast cancer, it certainly doesn't mean that somebody is not going to have that. And so in your case, uh, you basically said, uh, you know the the risk of developing breast cancer is still significantly high. That the um, the sort of the risks of of going through surgery certainly outweighed the long term uh, health risk of of potentially developing breast cancer. Is that is that accurate?
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, so I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Angelina Jolie because it's so important, Pat. Uh, as you mentioned, she carries the gene. She carries the gene for uh, breast cancer, and like many women, uh, they are counseled about their risk if they carry the gene. Uh, but it's not that black and white in terms of breast cancer risk. Pat, there are gene carriers that we know have a high risk for breast cancer and, and, and ovarian cancer and others. But then there's a whole group of women over here that are not gene carriers, but also carry a average than, average, more than average lifetime risk and even a very high risk of developing breast cancer. And for me, that is, that is where I fell.
0: Even with your knowledge, even with this being, you know, you being a, a world expert in breast cancer, I'm sure it was still difficult uh, and and obviously a big decision for you and maybe even for for your family. So, kind of specifically, when when did you begin thinking about it? Uh, you know, what what did uh, what did members of your family say? Uh, walk us through maybe some of the the kind of emotional decisions where you sort of always knowing this is the right path or did you kind of you know come to that decision I'm sure there's there's millions of people around the the country and, and certainly around the world that that probably fall into a similar bucket and and are you know potentially contemplating similar uh, similar prophylactic uh, surgeries.
1: Yeah, so my sister was diagnosed at the very end of 2019. once she was on her path to, to getting treatment, I, I thought it's, it's time for me to evaluate my risk, right? So now I have an older sister, an aunt, a grandma. And, uh, and my mother uh, had tested BRCA negative. My sister had done a more extensive panel that's now available to us, and she was negative. And so I didn't think I carried the gene, Pat, right? Because my sister who has breast cancer didn't. My aunt didn't have the opportunity to test. She, uh, she was diagnosed before it became a, a thing. Uh, so at the time, Pat, you remember we lo- launched uh, an online risk assessment tool here at CTCA, and it was brand new. And I I just entered in my, my information. And what popped out at me was, you know, you were considered high risk. You should speak to a specialist. And that wasn't super surprising for me, but I kind of filed that information. Uh, You know, COVID had hit us, we were all struggling with what that meant to be cancer doctors in the face of a pandemic. So I just mentally filed it. Uh, Eventually I decided to speak to my colleague who's a breast surgeon, and we just talked about kind of the next steps and she suggested I meet the genetic counselor. And uh, to be clear, Pat, Meeting with a genetic counselor doesn't equal genetic testing, right? So I want to be clear on that. It means understanding risk and filling out form after form about risk factors, and this is and this is the rub: um, modeling for breast cancer risks is all about lifestyle uh, and family history. So I thought I had the lifestyle one beat. And and just in terms of cancer prevention in general, uh, maintaining a healthy body weight, exercising, don't smoke, uh, eat well, limit alcohol uh, intake. You know, I'm checking off those boxes and I'm thinking I am in the low risk category. Uh, And then other stuff that matters for risk. Uh, Early age of menses, so we're Were you young when you got your period? Yes. What age were you when you had your first baby? Were you a little older? Yes. Uh, Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry? Yes. So I'm filling out these forms uh, that are required of a genetic counselor appointment, uh, but I'm feeling confident that my lifestyle factors are going to put me in a low-risk category. And then when I met with him and we went over my results... I was very surprised to see my number in bold red, uh, very high risk.
0: Wow! Wow! I- incredible to to have you, uh, somebody who I know so personally, walk me through that experience. What I what I did not know, um, Dr. Spear, was that that you actually did the the CTCA uh, risk assessment. A tool as a as sort of a, a precursor to meeting with the um, the genetic counselor and and I'm glad that you made that distinction because I know in this world and you know so well from talking to so many of your patients that there's there's so many terms that sound the same uh, you know uh, genetic counseling versus genetic testing and and it can be it can be so hard for people to to navigate that but. But hearing your story and and kind of the way that you progressed, uh, it certainly raises several things for me. One is you you recapped several of the risk factors uh, to to developing breast cancer, and to be clear, you did such a great job of of not only listing the things that should have made you healthy because you lead such a healthy lifestyle, and and those are things that are going to reduce one's risk. But at the same time. Uh, there are other risk factors that you that you mentioned in in family history or, or other things. What are things that everybody should be doing to re- generally reduce their risk of cancer? Knowing that there's some things, family history, and, and the like that we cannot change.
1: Lifestyle factors, as we talked about, and I know I know Pat. We 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 both know that we have lived in a world where healthy behavior, healthy living, leading this heart healthy life, has been all about. Heart disease, right? This is how you prevent heart disease. And uh, it turns out it's also how you you prevent cancer. So, all the things that, again, I thought were in my column, and I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't have them in your column because, of course, you should. So, eating healthy, exercising, uh, right? Um, All of that is super important. Limiting the amount of alcohol. Some folks think that. smoking only prevents lung cancer, but that is actually not true. Smoking is implicated in many cancers uh, and it's implicated in disease in general. So uh, smoking is a lifestyle factor that can, you know, giving up smoking or not smoking at all uh, helps. Um, I live in Arizona where sunscreen is the holy grail. We have SPF and, you know, lip balm and facial moisturizer and and we don't go outside without it. and uh, you know, again, there are some skin cancers that are mild and easily treatable, but there are some that are not. And so easy ones, smoking and, and sunscreen, absolutely cancer prevention. And then the other ones are, are more about lifestyle factors that we all can do to reduce our risk. This is not about eliminating risk. This is about risk reduction.
0: So well said, so well said. I, I, uh, you know, s- such great points. Number one, I love that you mentioned that there are some of these things that are not just a, a specific type of cancer. So people always think of smoking as as lung cancer only and make no mistake about it, it. will it will severely increase one's risk of lung cancer, but as you said before, risk of other types of cancers and and, and that common pathway of-, of of what causes you know cancer is implicated in so many of the things that you mentioned. Uh, you know, poor eating that leads to obesity, uh, you know, too much intake of sugar, uh, all of those, you know, unhealthy things that that we might put into you know, our bodies, obviously smoking being at the at the top of the list, uh, you know, for those who, um, you know, who are smokers, uh, sun, sun and, and protecting yourself from the sun with sunscreen. These are these are sort of ubiquitous uh, risk factors. And I'm so glad that you that you laid those out. I'm also glad that you made that distinction between prevention and screening. Uh, and, and and certainly, you know, you laid out the risk factors for prevention. Let's move over to talk a little bit more about about screening. And let's let's talk not only about breast cancer, obviously, but what are some of the ways that you might recommend that people uh, evaluate and, and work towards a, um, getting screened for cancer?
1: Uh, Of course. So, uh, yeah, so they're very separate, right? They're very separate. The idea of screening is about early detection. We know that cancers that are caught early are more easily treated and we have a better chance of curing you. Right. And that's what we want. Even if you're diagnosed with a cancer, we want you to be cured. And so that's what screening is all about. Uh, and the important thing here is that screening is based on guidelines. It's based on data. And as you know, Pat, we have these task forces that are put together by experts and they're constantly updated. So there's a task force about around breast cancer screening. How old should you be? Does family history pr- play a role? Uh, similarly with Uh, colon cancer screening. We have colonoscopies, but what age should you be when you start uh, getting your first colonoscopy uh, and how often should you have them? Uh, For women, cervical cancer screening. Uh, Cervical cancer is a deadly disease in parts of this world because there is not mass screening. In this country, we have mass screening that allows us to diagnose women with early stage cervical cancer, and then treat them and cure them. So those are really the big three. There's also lung cancer screening with a certain kind of CAT scan for high risk patients. Uh, But again, these are examples of screening in the literature, uh, but it's gender dependent, age dependent. And so my advice to my patients and their families, uh, my friends, my own family is go to your doctor, have a relationship with a primary medical doctor and make sure that you are getting the screening that is right for your age and gender.
0: Absolutely. You you know, it's, there's so much out there. You and I um, are are very close to it. Sometimes the guidelines are being changed. They're being updated, uh, often appropriately. So as new literature comes in, but for the, uh, you know, for the average human being who flips on the news, there is a dizzying array of information uh you know in terms of you know an anecdotal news story uh all the way to you know trying to keep up with uh with some of these guidelines let alone in the in the day and age of social media you know somebody might might post something or you know god forbid in the day and age of of misinformation there there is a lot of misinformation out there and i I really really want to echo what you said you know contact your doctor uh, contact us if people have you know questions about this because it is so critical. And again, worth restating, catching cancer early is absolutely a key tenet of of successfully battling the disease. If if one gets diagnosed with it, to all of our listeners out there, again, please, please get get screened. Uh, you know, we've we've spent a lot of time talking about this notion of the shadow curve during COVID where people are missing their screenings, and that's making a bad problem even worse, meaning that in most cases, uh, you know, from mammograms for breast cancer to pap smears for cervical cancer, colonoscopies for colorectal, and you mentioned it, low-dose CT for lung cancer, even prior to COVID, most patients who should be getting screened were actually you know, being disrupted or who are eligible to be screened, we're not getting it done, and it's certainly gotten a lot worse during COVID. So, absolutely, contact your your doctor if you don't have a doctor. Uh, contact any medical professional who can get you in touch with one because this is the key tenant to, to battling cancer. So, um, so, so we've talked about prevention and how to mitigate some of the risk factors in that category. And um, you know, we've certainly emphasized the importance of screening. Kind of following a little bit of a of a distinct progression there, uh, Doctor Spear. Uh, you know, one might move then from screening to you know diagnostic uh, examinations. Can you kind of give us a a sense of of what those entail?
1: I am certain that all of our listeners have had uh, family members or friends or acquaintances who went to get their annual screening mammogram, which by definition means you didn't feel anything, right? So it was just a screening test. And they were diagnosed with breast cancer. I have several young women in my life uh, and they have since had their surgeries and some had chemo and they're wonderful. They're doing beautifully now, but they never felt anything. But you can feel something, right? You can have a symptom of a cancer. And for my sister, she had her regular screening mammogram uh, and then months later, she actually felt a lump in one of her breasts and that ultimately led to a biopsy and her diagnosis uh, of breast cancer and there's other examples of that i mean breast is an easy one right uh if a woman feels a lump in her breast not every lump is cancer however Every lump should be evaluated by a physician who can then tell you uh, how to work it up to ensure you don't or if you do get you into treatment, right? Uh, similarly, uh, let's say you have this new onset of shortness of breath and uh, you know it becomes harder and harder to breathe and, and then you cough up blood. Could that mean you have a run of the mill pneumonia? Uh, absolutely, but it can also be a warning of lung cancer go to a doctor. So there's lots of signs and symptoms that we feel. Uh, And unfortunately, Pat, many of us, and again, as you alluded to, especially during COVID, we kind of put them off. And we say, I'm sure that's just a hemorrhoid. I'm sure maybe I just have, you know, nowadays a lung thing is you know, COVID till proven otherwise. But it is very easy for us to dismiss a sign or symptom, especially we're all so busy, everyone's so busy. uh, But that's a mistake. Uh, from my sister, she caught it very early. She felt a she felt a lump, uh, and she went to the doctor immediately.
0: I, I love the distinction. Um, you know, I I kind of tend to think of these these sort of two distinct buckets, which is um, you know asymptomatic screening based on as as you stated before, um, you know guidelines that might be you know age dependent, gender dependent, you know other other things you know that that we mentioned, go talk to your your doctor about at the same time those symptoms that we have. and and the the jargony medical term that that sometimes you and I uh, might be familiar with might be non-specific symptoms. and and again, to be very clear, these are non-specific symptoms. Having them uh, certainly could be from a very common cause and a non-cancerous cause, but the bottom line is, Uh, you know, don't, don't ignore these. And again, coming back to what's happened uh, in this past 12 months with COVID is there's not only been a decrease in the, in the screening, in the number of screenings that people just get naturally, there's been a tremendous decrease in just the interactions with the healthcare system for some of these symptoms. Uh, You know, somebody has pain, somebody has shortness of breath, somebody loses a little bit of weight and they, you know, they're, they're not going in. That coupled with what we all know as a fragmented uh, American healthcare system is why so many cancers, you know, fall through the cracks. And you and I know, know firsthand from what we do, again, not only how important it is to catch things early, but we've seen cases sometimes that get referred to us from other providers where, um, you know, we just wish we could rewind the clock and and catch that cancer earlier. so um really, really love the uh, the way you've you've kind of laid out the the progression for for our listeners. I do want to come back to and and although I am um you know so grateful uh you know that you shared your story you know with us um and 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 the, frankly the courageous decision that you made, you mentioned, uh, in your own journey, uh, Dr. Speer, when you met with the genetic counselor, so we've we've you know we've talked about prevention and risk reduction strategies. We've talked about screening. We've talked about the the diagnostic exam once you know somebody has a, uh, you know symptoms and the like. But at what point should people get uh, you know genetic counseling? And can you sort of share a perspective on? When that should be done, how that should be done. I'm sure you know many of our listeners would um, you know would, would love to know.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, and that and that to me, Pat, is you know, maybe again, one of the most essential uh, take home points uh, from this exchange between you and me, uh, is that knowing your history and knowing your own story, uh, is the most powerful tool. So I'm a cancer doctor. So I knew my story. I knew my family story. I knew what to ask, but for many women, uh, they might not know. Again, uh, I mentioned earlier that it's this non black and white world. Oh, I don't have BRCA. breast cancer gene, I don't need to worry about breast cancer. I'm like everyone else. I'm just an average risk person. uh, Versus the huge gray area of family history and knowing your risk factors. So having a provider Going to a doctor, making sure they understand your risks and your family history um, and your story Um, and going to a genetic counselor. And and by the way, there's there's several online tools that we can all use. And and, you know, I don't I don't know about many of them, uh, but I think the take home really is if you Google or if you do an online tool or or if you think you might be high risk. Just go talk to somebody, right? So I met with a genetic counselor because we have one here, and it was easy for me here. But it was about understanding my risk. It wasn't about getting a test for a genetic abnormality. I mean, ultimately, I did that, but it was more like let's rule it out. I'm sure you'll be negative. So it's really about talking to someone to know your risks. Uh, and and again, we kind of started Pat with me making the decision to do breast cancer surgery to remove my breasts, a bilateral, both sides, mastectomy, taking off my breasts uh, in order to reduce my breast cancer risk. But as you can, ma- can imagine, we don't have those surgeries for lots of organs. And so for some women, uh, this seems like a crazy crazy decision. How could you take your, you know, a body part off without having cancer? Uh, Other women would completely understand. Uh, I think another really, really strong take home point, Pat, is that everyone should know her option and then get to hear treatment options, get to hear options. And they can range from high risk screening, uh, taking a pill or a medicine to reduce risk, or in my case, preventative surgery. And so understanding the options is the most important thing here. Uh, And so that's the take home. I think if there's two big take homes from this part is uh, it's not black and white. Breast cancer risk is not black and white. It's not gene or no gene there is a spectrum. And decades from now, we will look back and say, wow, we didn't have all these other BRCA genes back then, but we do now. Uh, so that's part one. And part two, once you know your risk, know your treatment options, because they are not all created equal for each woman.
0: Wow, that's, that's terrific, Dr. Spear. I I, I love that. Just to kind of summarize, I think some of your, your really, really important points there. Um, again, number one, it's, it's not black and white. S- somebody who is uh let's just say BRCA negative if they have you know the testing does not mean that they're not going to develop breast cancer conversely somebody who is BRCA positive you know may may not absolutely develop breast cancer but it is a spectrum number two really really know yourself know your history um and and talk to somebody uh you know talk to somebody you know don't just ignore the information Certainly, don't ignore the guidelines, and absolutely don't ignore the symptoms. and And then, number three is to is to know that there are options, and to know your options, and and that it's a deeply personal decision, but also one that, uh, with with great professional guidance, uh, you know, every patient can make the most informed decision uh, that is that is best for them. and And in your case, Doctor Spear, that decision was a was a prophylactic or protective, bilateral, both sided mastectomy, uh, a removal of your breast, so that you could, uh, live, um, in a way that gave you peace of mind, uh, and, and, and a healthy future, uh, free of breast cancer in, from your perspective. So, um, thank you for, for being so, so courageous. You, uh, you're, you're a role model in many ways. Um, let me just kind of conclude by, by asking you, uh, you know, how you're, how you're doing.
1: So I'm doing great, uh, like we talked about earlier, my surgery was last month um, and uh, I feel great. Uh, I even played pickleball this weekend. I hope my surgeon's not listening, um, but I played pickleball this weekend and I, I mean, pickleball light, let's be honest, it was pickleball light, but I, uh, I feel great. And um, my sister finishes, uh, she gets her last infusion. Uh, in less than two weeks, so she's been in therapy for over a year now, and so great milestones for both of us. Uh, my mom can uh, breathe, uh, sleep easier now for both of her daughters, uh, and yeah, I'm feeling great.
0: Fantastic. Well, definitely give give your sister my regards, and uh, I was going to share the uh, you know your, your pickleball story, but I yeah I, I didn't want to get you <laughs> in trouble with. Uh, with your surgeon, but, uh, you know, I know, I know sometimes as doctors, you know, we don't, we don't make great patients, but the bottom line is, it sounds like you're doing, you're doing great. You had surgery a month ago, back on your feet, uh, you know, living, um, you know, back to living life and, uh, and, and hopefully, uh, with a lot more peace of mind for you and your family. Uh, finally, Dr. Spear, uh, what, what final kind of you know advice do you have for any of our, uh, of our listeners, whether they may be, uh, patients, but as as we know, there might be you know millions of people who are uh, not patients, but in a, in a similar boat that certainly have family members that um, sadly have uh, have suffered from this disease. What are your what are your words of of advice or wisdom?
1: Yeah. So number one, you know know your story. I'm all about knowing your story because if you don't know your story, no one else knows your story. So know your story, which means, and some people can't, right? There are, I have friends of mine who are adopted and they don't know their story and, and understandably so, but if you do know your story, know it and share it with your doctor so that you can get the screening that you need, that's applicable to you, your age, your gender, and your background story, your family history, your risk factors. Uh, know the options that come with those risk factors. Some might be, you know, losing weight, drink less alcohol, uh, exercise more regularly, consider, you know, more of a plant-based diet than a meat-based diet, Uh, lifestyle stuff, right? Lifestyle stuff that can protect us uh, from everything, not just cancer. Then there is the more extreme approach, right? Know maybe options for something like me, a surgical reduction surgery, but just know that option. And then I'll I'll end with Pat because uh, it's kind of hard, right? The elephant in the room. There's this pandemic going on, uh, and it kind of all took us for a loop here. Uh, you know, cancer docs everywhere, doctors everywhere. I mean, people everywhere, right? And how do you how do you follow guidelines for screening? How do you do something that's elective during a pandemic, right? Having the respect for some unknown virus, uh, balancing between what we know. Uh, Is cancer. And I say this to my cancer patients all the time cancer doesn't care about you. Cancer doesn't care about me. And I can promise you that cancer doesn't care about a pandemic, right? And so we have so much data on screenings that were missed, cancers that are being found at a later stage, treatment that's been interrupted because of the pandemic. Um, And I get it. We all get it. We understand why that's happened. Uh, But now that we're in a little bit of a more understanding place, and now that we're getting vaccinated and I can say that, you know, I've been uh, fully vaccinated at this point. Uh, Cancer doesn't wait. Cancer doesn't care. Uh, Do your screenings, get your cancer treatment, find the place where you feel safe. Respect the pandemic, respect this virus, but know that cancer doesn't wait and cancer doesn't care. So we really do have to balance both.
0: Well, you know, what a powerful message to, uh, to end on. And, uh, and I just, again, want to, want to thank you for, uh, for sharing your story, uh, Dr. Spear. So glad that you're, uh, you know, that you're doing, that you're doing well. Um, and, uh, I think you just shared so many powerful messages for, uh, for our listeners today. So thank you for, for sharing your story. Thank you for all that you do, uh, battling cancer and, uh, Thanks for sharing your time and, uh, and what I know is uh, a very busy, uh, busy, busy, time for you uh, caring for patients. So great to see you and uh, we'll talk soon.
1: It was my pleasure, Pat. I really uh, I really enjoyed this conversation and, and I and I hope it helps. I, ha- I hope we got the message out there. But again, thank you very much for having me.